0: register for events safely give and so much more dreamcityok.church good morning dream city church everybody have a good thanksgiving Yeah, man, it's so great to see your faces here this morning. Rather you stayed here or you traveled or you just stayed on your couch by yourself. I hope you guys had a great Thanksgiving. Uh, My name is Chris. I'm the kids pastor here at the King's House. Uh, Well, I say King's House. Now it's Dream City. Wow, it just is ingrained in us, isn't it? Um, but you guys don't get to hear from me today, so you guys have a special speaker coming here in just a few minutes, but before I introduce her, I do have a few extra announcements I want to tag into the already done announcements for you guys. Um, You did hear about our North Pole Adventure, where we have school field trips coming in throughout that first week of December. Pastor Mark called me this morning, and he said, make sure you reiterate, we need volunteers, and I'm like... I got you, boo. So guys, we need volunteers right outside as you are leaving. There's gonna be a small table. Miss Erica will be there where you can uh, find out more information and how you can sign up to help. It's an incredible opportunity for our church. Dream City, to be able to minister to our community. There are so many families that now call this place their home because they came with their kids to a field trip, guys, a field trip where the kids were actually presented the gospel of Jesus Christ through a Christmas presentation. So sign up for that because we do need all the hands we can get. And speaking of hands, as you guys leave today, you want to use those hands to grab as many angels off of those two angel trees that you saw out there. Last year, when we made an announcement about angel tree, they were gone on that very same day. So I'm believing that we are gonna be blessing so many kids this year where you guys are gonna grab every single one of them off of those trees today to bless someone in need. And in addition to that, they also need volunteers because all these gifts need to be wrapped. And everybody says, yay, my favorite thing. Not mine. Mine is like, let's just put them in bags. You know what I'm saying? Like, but the wrapping party's happening. So if you want to help volunteer for that or the actual event where you get to give the gifts to these kids, swing by the angel tree table out there, guys, because it's something that they also need some help with. It's a busy time of year, but it's a great time of year to reach our community, which is in need. Amen. So we are on a series ending today called Say So. Someone look at your neighbor and say, say so. It's from Psalm 107, verse two, which says, "'Let the redeemed of the Lord say so.'" And this is one of our favorite series that we started three years ago that we try to do every October, every November time. And it's just a great opportunity for us as a church body to hear other people's testimonies of what they have walked through and how God brought them through to the other side. Because how many of you guys know that it's great to be able to open up the word of God and you're able to read through it and, and you can hear a message from Pastor Mark about how so-and-so went through such and such and God brought them through. It does build your faith up, but how much more do you know that like it really does hit home when you hear it from someone personally in-house that you know that you can link arms with and say, you went through that, I'm going through that, your testimony's building up my faith, and so and so it goes. So two weeks ago, we did something different, and we actually brought in some guest speakers, um, Angel and Louise from the Fearless Identity Ministry, and they just blew the roof off of this place and telling the church how important it is to be the church to a hurting community. And then last week, we heard from our very own Desiree Cooper, Miss D-Ray and we got to hear her story and it's just so wonderful to see what God does in someone's life, and then also the partnership with the community of hope that's gonna be happening in the next few weeks, guys. Pastor Mark's goal is to make sure that we're able to house two different families before Christmas. Like, it's gonna be incredible. So thank you for your prayers and your support over the community of hope. But today, you guys get to hear from a very special lady. Uh, Pastor Mark hired her uh, to be on staff with us here at Dream City six months ago. She kind of jumped in with both feet, joining me and my team of leadership Um, adults of kids camp. So it was kind of like sink or swim. Let's see if you got what it it has to make it here. She is the community of hope director. So she kind of works one-on-one with Mark and Blake and getting the projects done and raising the funds for that. She's also the person that answers our phone calls 90% of the time because she's our benevolence department. So like she's always the person that is answering those phone calls and helping with people as well. And she helps organize any outreach that our church can be a part of. So she's always looking for ways. How can our church get out there and impact our community? She's one of the most genuine and most kind individuals I've ever known. Her faith is just higher than a mountain, which challenges mine in and of itself. And if you're not careful, Dream City, if you allow her to, she will talk the paint off of a wall. Would you please stand to your feet and welcome Miss Jessica Brenner?
1: good morning everyone happy Sunday there's a lot more of you than 9 a.m. but let's do this Um, I wanted to clear the air about a few just one thing really I know a couple weeks ago I was doing the announcements and my name was next to my name it said Blake's assistant which is not true, and so I want everyone to look back at the sound booth and say hi to my assistant Blake, and look at the T-shirt that he's wearing. Blake Jennings, what? Oh, you have that on me, but not on nobody else can see that. That's rude. That's rude. He has a picture of a T-shirt that I also have that says "Jess" or Blake's assistant. What a brat! Um, goodness gracious, Blake Jennings. Okay his wife is the real trophy let's be real oh my gosh she puts up with a lot um okay we have a really good testimony today it's not really mine god has obviously written it over uh my life and my husband and my sons and so i'm super excited to um give you guys some good juicy details juicy details are what god works with so you know this is gonna be good i'm gonna start off with a little love story In 2012, I'm 19 years old. I know I don't look any older than that. And uh, I'm working at a staffing agency here in McAllister. and I meet this beautiful redhead named Sheena Brenner. And she tells me that uh, her brother-in-law, Lane, uh, and I would hit it off, like, you really got to meet this Lane guy. You got to meet this Lane guy. And I remember uh, meeting Sayer, and I remember thinking, Sheena's husband, Uh, I remember thinking, Sheena, if he looks anything like your husband, I'll take him. Joking, obviously, but that's gonna bite me. Um, So then uh, everyone gets a little new hire plant uh, when you get started or a new hire gift. And so I got a little new hire plant and I named the plant Lane, uh, which was funny at the time until Lane comes in. So Lane comes into uh, the, the, our office, and she meet, he goes and gets something from Sheena, and uh, he leaves. And I remember asking Sheena, hey, was that that Lane guy that you were talking about? And she said, yeah. And I, I said, if he comes back in here, he' going to know who I am. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to introduce myself. And so, uh, our dress code at our office that we were working at, uh, we had to have pantyhose and closed toed shoes and a pencil skirt and a blazer, like it was a full. Like so it's always feeling. I'm just feeling good. I was confident. I was feeling good. Lane comes back in. I walk over there. I put out my hand and I said, "Hi, I'm Jessica." And he goes, "Hi, I'm Lane." But I know who you are. Let me see that plant that you named after me i am my face is as red as a tomato i cannot believe that sayer and china had told him what i had said how embarrassing i walk up and i show go to my desk i show him my plant and we chit chat for a second you know i'm hoping that i can smooth that over a little bit and as he's walking out the door he turns and he says so do i look like my brother yeah you do that Brenner blood is pretty thick. So I, uh, that weekend, we went on a date and we've been together ever since. And so that was the start of uh, our little love story. It gets a little rockier, I'll be honest. Um, so sit back and relax because it's going to get good. Um, we dated for about three years. Um, and during those three years, uh, the very first couple months, I remember Lane had already had two DUIs um, by the time he was 21. He had two DUIs. And a couple months into dating, he got a breathalyzer in his truck. I remember thinking, oh, gosh, this is a little intense, but okay. Um, I loved him, man. He, we, man, I love him. And so... uh, the drinking was an issue he wouldn't just drink like a little bit when he would drink he would get like blackout drunk like there was no middle or in the i mean he was if he was going to get drunk he was going in and so um he would drink i had to ask him this but the 750s is what like the little half gallon things or what i mean a lot of alcohol is what he was drinking at a time and when that didn't um when that didn't work anymore, he then went to prescription pills because he was chasing that high. And so uh, one of the very first times I had ever saw anything like this, I uh, we were dating and I remember walking up the stairs. He was in a back bedroom and I went up to say hi to him like, hey, I'm here, Let's, you know, and uh, he's in the back corner of a room and he's sitting at a desk. And when I walk in, he quickly like crosses his arms and acts like nothing's happening when you know something was just happening. And he goes, oh, it's just you, I thought you were my mom. And he continues to use a driver's license and crush these pills and make a line and fold up a little, uh, rolls up a $1 bill and snorts it and then looks at me and says, it's gonna be a good day. And I remember thinking, whoa, like, okay, small town America, Jessica had never seen anything like that before and so, Um, I knew that there were some red flags. Like I knew that, that, that obviously wasn't normal. Um, but he also, he also was in a really good mood when he was high. I'll be honest. Like he was fun. He was like the life of the party. He was down for anything. Um, and then when he wasn't on something, he was cranky and edgy and mean. And, um, it, it was just, it was It was a roller coaster ride to say the least i remember thinking i remember telling him like hey if if you love me enough like if you love me enough you're not going to do that anymore like i'm not into that like we you know we we gotta we gotta figure something out and so we get married in october of 2015 and um in december of uh, 2016 so about a year into our marriage he comes home and he says, um, I need help. I, I need to go to rehab. I am drinking. I'm drinking all day. I'm going to work and I'm drinking. And when I can't get um, the drugs that I'm wanting, I, I'm, I'm having withdrawals. You know, he would uh, lay in bed and I remember the shakes and the sweats and the, and the puking and um, it was intense. And the mental struggles that he was working, walking through too. Like he, he knew what he was doing was wrong but he also knew that it was making him feel good. And so it was trying to find that in between of how do I live without what I've now became addicted to. And so I remember he tells me uh, now sober, obviously, that he remembers when he would go to his drug addict's house to get the pills or to get the drugs that he would have to drink before going to get them because he knew in his heart, right? God was telling him like, hey, this isn't what you're supposed to be doing. Like, stop what you're doing, think about me. And he would still go and do it, but he had to get high or have a drink before he can go get his drugs because it was just such a mental um, pull for him. And so his drug dealer told him once, like, man, I'm kind of worried about you. Are you good? And Lane said in that moment, he thought, I am in deep. Like, my drug dealer is now checking on me? Like, dude, I'm your business. Like, hold on a second, Right. So, a year into our marriage, he uh, says he needs to get help, and he checks himself into a rehab, and he's there for 30 days, and during those 30 days, I remember just having a complete and total, like, two-year-old tantrum um, in my room. Like, God, this was not the life that I asked for. I have done everything right. I, um, If you would just get my husband sober, then my life would be perfect. If you could get him sober, if you could fix him, then, like, life could be good, and I I remember him saying, like, don't give up. Like, I can restore him. I can redeem him. I'm not done with him. He's mine. And I remember thinking, like, you obviously don't see what I'm living in. Like, you don't see how he's talking to me when he doesn't have his pills. You don't see how he's acting. And so I, I struggled. I, I struggled big time in that. And my control and my codependency um, went to the next level. I started um i remember like if he ever had cash i would make him bring me back a receipt with the exact amount of change because he would take that change or take that cash and he would go to the liquor store he would go get drugs and i remember any parents in here that have life 360 on their kids yeah i had it on my husband and i had it ping me if he was ever within a mile of any liquor stores or any of the drug dealers homes that I knew of. There were obviously ones that I didn't know of. Um, and so my control of my codependency was absolutely irrational. But I thought I was helping him in that time. I thought that I was, I like, if I can just get him to realize that you're breaking the rules, you're doing the wrong thing, like, he's gonna turn his life around. It obviously didn't. Um, in the summer of 2017, uh lane is working at a uh, hvac company here in town and his boss had tried calling me but i had left my phone in the car that morning because lane and i had gotten into a fight and i'm working out at the wellness center with my mother-in-law and i see my brother-in-law sayer come through um, the wellness center and his face was complete in total fear and panic like there something bad had happened and i remember him saying we need to talk outside and so we go out to the parking lot and he says Lane's boss just called me. He stole prescription pills from a customer's house. And um, the guy wants to press charges. He, you know, This is a felony, like he just stole someone's prescription pills. And I remember the first thought that I had was he took them all. He overdosed. Like, he, I'm going to walk into my house and he's going to be dead um, because he, his mental state at that time was not good. He was battling that wanting to do right, but still Still on the the walk of the addiction and letting those um, letting those chains really hold him back. Let those those chains were holding him so tight. And so, um, I remember speeding to my house, and I remember walking in that door and seeing Lane in the bathroom, just bawling, just bawling. He, he he knew that he had messed up, but he also knew that he needed them, right? And so it's just it was that pull of I want help but i need them like i don't know how to get out of this and i remember in that moment thinking we are so far deep like i don't know how to get out of this either and so i still continue to pray god like would you just fix him like fix him fix him but instead of looking to god like to to for my relationship with god to get stronger for me to release that control and that codependency my whole focus was on lane sobriety if lane would get sober then everything would be okay And so he goes back to rehab a second time um, that summer in 2017. And um, I I do think that something helped. I think that that helped. I think that he um, started to take it a little more seriously. But a couple months after after rehab, that second time, he relapsed again. And I was exhausted. I was exhausted, to say the least. I was on a roller coaster ride that I didn't sign up for. Um, anybody else been on a roller coaster ride like that, where you want to get out and th- you're you're in there? And so, I remember my sister and uh, my best friend Gina from high school. They lived in Colorado, and um, so I took a I took a flight. I went and had a, a girls' weekend, and while I was there, I went on a hike, and I remember just praying to God, like, help me, help me, help, help show me what I'm supposed to do because I am at my wits' end. And, you know, I, we're barely married a couple of years and we don't have any kids. I have family and friends telling me like, hey, you can get out of this. Like you get out, you start fresh. But I also know what God had told me. God said that he was going to redeem my husband. He told me that he was going to restore our marriage. And so I I had a choice. I was either going to listen to the lies of the enemies, not that my family and friends were that. They, they cared about me and they loved me and they wanted me to be um, happy. But I also knew what god had spoke to me and so i while i'm on a hike in colorado um i had this like little light bulb moment and i remember i work for a staffing agency that has over 700 offices they have tons here in colorado i'll just submit my resume and see what happens if i get a job offer then maybe we can start fresh right i get four job offers i take a job in uh, littleton colorado and i tell lane like if you want in this then you're gonna you're gonna pack up and move. Me kind of controlling and codependently thinking, maybe if we leave, then your addiction and, and like, uh, alcoholism, maybe we'll like stay here in McAllister, uh, just for like a fun update that obviously doesn't happen just so you guys know. Um, we moved to Colorado and I require Lane to go to a meeting. I tell him like we are going to go to an AA or we're going to go to some kind of a meeting. You need help, and I'm going to go with you. I was going to go with him to make sure he was going to the meeting, not obviously for that kind of a support. I'll be honest. Um, and so there was a church down the road from where we lived, and um, they had a program called Regeneration, which is super similar to our Celebrate Recovery. Um, that's on Monday nights at six o'clock. A O. And um, so we go and as I walk in the doors God literally just says like hey glad I got your attention um, you are you are you have some major codependency issues you have some major control issues your perfectionism is literally eating you alive and I just wanted to like let you know Lane's not yours Lane is actually mine like God that's God's kid that's not mine it's not my I mean that is God's first and foremost and so I remember that night uh, I went to a group and I remember just sharing with them that I had had a moment of like, it's not just it's not just Lane. I'm like, hold on a second. If Lane would have got sober, my life was going to be great. And uh, that was funny. Um, I had some major things that were not healthy coming into that. And so I. Um, I remember from that moment just working on me. So I stopped with the ultimatums. I stopped with um, the judgmental um, remarks. I took it back to kindergarten, and if I didn't have anything nice to say, I didn't say anything at all. Um, and I started going to counseling and started working through some of those emotions and some of those hurts that I had had been carrying. And I remember Lane saying, "Like, what's wrong with you? Like, you're not." You're not getting mad anymore. Like, do like, what's going on? Like, something's different. And I remember telling him, like, I'm not going to fix my eyes on you anymore. I'm going to fix my eyes on God because He's the only one that can get us out of this. And so, I remember. I remember just. Um, I'm talking like it was like i had drank out of a gallon of water like i could not get enough of my bible i I could not get it it was the first time that i had really like built a solid relationship with god not in the midst of a situation right like i wanted that intimacy with god above all things and so um i my heart started to change and lane started to change uh it was like it it was like i was putting him in a box and then as soon as i stopped caring and focusing on what his wrongs were i was able to really focus on what god wanted for us to do and so um i remember lane's uh relapses going farther and farther from each other he was still having the relapses but uh it wasn't with pills anymore which i was excited about it wasn't with gallons of vodka it was with little pocket shops shots and that was some progress we're not looking for perfection we were just looking for a little progress right and so um I remember uh, I remember Lane go he he went well I'm gonna get ahead of myself that'll be a good one in a second he um I just remember focusing on God and my relationship and then things starting to really I mean they weren't perfect but it was getting better there was like a light at the end of the tunnel and so um, in January of 2019 Lane took his last his last drink um, he is now five years, only five years sober in January, which is amazing. And I, um, I just remember Lane, Lane's whole demeanor changed. What used to be like this hard shell, he like finally got a little light back and it was without a drug. And so I thought, okay, like there's some hope in this, right? And so in December of, um, no, in, in July of, 2017, he is working at an HVAC company, and he falls three stories and uh, cracks his calcaneus heel, Um, that's where he was at working, and his left foot hit cement and his right foot hit grass, and yeah, that's how big his foot was, it was bad, you guys, but let me tell you what my husband did, and this is when I knew something was different he told the surgeon, I'm an addict. I can't have any medicine. I can't have any pain pills, right? Like I, I can't do that. And so he goes through the surgery. He gets a, um, a nerve block in his leg um, to keep him for 12 hours. And he goes through the whole entire recovery process without any pain medicine. And I knew in that moment, OK, like God is real. God is doing something in his heart. Um, Because before, that would have been a freebie. That's what you call it, like a little freebie. I got me a freebie. Look, I got it from a real doctor. I didn't have to to buy it off the streets. Like, this is good. Um, And so, yes, Lane celebrates five years sober in January, which is absolutely by the grace of God. And um, in December of 2018, I found out I had stage four endometriosis. I had a mass on my right ovary that was 11 centimeters and a, a mass on my left Ovary that was nine centimeters, and so we went in for an emergency surgery. They said that they may have to take our ovary, my ovaries out, um, and the chances of us having natural babies didn't look too good. Um, they said that that probably wasn't going to happen, and so I remember being distraught about that. Right, like my husband's kind of getting his stuff together. I'm barely, you know, I'm barely holding on to that. But now you're telling us this, and um, we went in for the surgery. They were able to save my ovaries. And no surprise to anyone in here, I'm sure, six months later, I'm pregnant, right? So pretty, right? yeah, it's like amazing, a complete miracle little nugget. And so we uh, we moved back to Oklahoma because Colorado was expensive as it already was without thinking about a baby and that kind of stuff, you know? And so we moved back to Oklahoma and... Um, why it was due in March of 2020. And on November 17th, um, I started feeling super sick. My I was cramping. I had was super nauseous. I um, I just I felt like something was wrong. And so I took a hot bath. When I got out of the bath, um, I was bleeding. And I thought that's definitely probably not normal. And so I remember calling a couple friends in the medical field and just asking, like, what their opinion was, and they said, you should probably just go and get checked out just to make sure um, that everything's okay. You'll sleep a lot better if you go and get it checked out, you know, and so I go to the hospital. And as we're on our way to the hospital, we had been going to Tallahina, And so um, I there was no way I was going to be able to make it to Talahina. Um, and so I, Lane and I are like Lane wants to go to Tallahina, I want to go to the closest hospital and so we go to McAllister, really against Lane's request um, and we go in and within seven minutes of getting to the hospital my water breaks and we are having a baby like th- th- today this is it he's 24 weeks and um, we it's our time to shine let's do this right and so they start unhooking me. The sweet nurse comes in, her name was Mae Durant, and she just looks at me and she says, he's 24 weeks, we're gonna do everything we can. We have 20 minutes to get him out and uh, we, we gotta go. And so they start wheeling me over into the OR. The lights are so bright, the room is freezing cold. Everyone's face in that uh, room was pure panic. I mean like just complete and total like, we aren't ready for this right 24 weeks in McAllister Oklahoma and so I remember one nurse on the phone calling uh St Francis to go ahead and get the helicopter to head this way so they could intubate Wyatt and um I just remember it being complete and total chaos in there it was quiet there was like you could just feel how scared everyone was including me I was saying on repeat God's got this, he's in control. God's got this, he's in control. God's got this, he's in control. I sounded like a broken record. I, I couldn't stop because I was so in my head. And I remember a nurse comes in and I knew who she was. And so I said, Kaylana, come over here. I need you to pray right now. And so they prayed over me. And I remember telling the doctor like, put me to sleep. This is taking forever. I Like, I want the, I, like I'm scared. And uh, I woke up in excruciating pain. And I remember meeting Wyatt for the first time in a little isolate box. They had him already like wrapped up. He was intubated. Uh, I have a couple pictures of what he looked like as a little baby baby. Um, And he was just, he was tiny. He was one pound, eight ounces, 12 inches long. Um, He he was a fighter from the beginning, man. He was a fighter. And so uh, Lane comes in and he says, I named him Wyatt Ray. He was 24 weeks. We had talked about it, but we hadn't confirmed a name. We didn't have a nursery. We didn't have a car seat. I remember Lane coming in and going, Baby, we I gotta go to the I gotta wait go a car seat. And I remember, baby, he ain't gonna be in a car seat for a little bit. Like we got some time, right? And so Lane goes to the hospital um, in St. Francis and I stay there for a couple days and we spent the next 113 days there at St. Francis, and it was a roller coaster ride. I remember uh, walking in for the very first time and my sober husband, right? He's sober, not even a year sober, but he's doing it. He walks me into the room and he's showing me uh, Wyatt and all these machines and the tubes and what everything's doing and introducing me to the nurse. And I remember looking like, just feeling like I was in a dream, like, hold on a second, like, my husband's sober, he's here right now with me and he's supporting me, he's introducing me to the baby and to, you know, like, th- there was just such a moment of like, okay, God's got this, right? Like, God's got this, okay, like, we're good. And so I I remember I had a choice, right? I had a choice. I was either going to listen to the lies enemies, of, uh, of the enemies, lies of, like, hey, he, he's so critical, there's not a chance that he's gonna make it, um, you know, he's got a 25% chance to live. He is bruised up, he is on all the oxygen that he can get. he I mean, the list of things that were going against Wyatt was significantly larger than the list of things that were going um, for him. But that's kind of where God does the best with the stuff, right? Like, I mean, he's like, hey, put me in. This is my moment. I'll shine, right? And so uh, I just remember thinking, like, from this moment on, I have seen so many miracles in our life. I have seen God heal my husband. I have seen God heal my heart and my control and my codependency. I have seen God completely change our life in the matter of years and so this wasn't going to be anything different and so i just remember speaking life over wyatt like you are going to live you are going to you are you are a child of god you're going to be a walking testimony and on day seven of life our neonatologist says um he has a grade four brain bleed on his left side and a grade three brain bleed on his right side and time's going to tell i'm not sure what that's going to look like right like he he he's probably not going to walk he might not talk and i remember looking at the doctor and saying oh our god's got that that's nothing like he's got that that's not a big deal and i remember just every person that would even look at me the security guard the cafeteria ladies anyone that looked in my eyes or made any kind of a contact i would make sure they knew wyatt ray brenner who he was where he was and asked for prayers and then i'd ask for that like god was just in the center of all of it and when you're in that kind of a moment you get to decide am i going to look at this like with a victim mentality i going to look at it with like oh this is um, this is sad or was it so cool that i got to watch my kid get like completely watch him be built from the outside in right normally it's the other way around and so uh it was just the most beautiful um experience and so i remember one night the doctor's calling and saying he wasn't going to make it through the night um this was it you needed to come in and say your goodbyes and I remember going uh, to the hospital. We lived at the little Ronald McDonald House just in that, that next block over. And I remember going in and a nurse met us at the doors. And I remember her, I mean, she had been crying. And I remember walking to her hallway and the whole hallway was crowded. The whole hallway was filled with people. And I remember thinking that's not good. Uh, In NICU world, you learn things pretty quick. And if there's that many people, it's normally not a celebratory moment. And so I remember walking in, I remember the neonatologist giving me a hug and saying like, now this is, this is the goodbye. And I remember walking in and feeling God's presence like never before. I knew that God was going to make it. I knew that he was going to be a testimony. I knew that he was going to be a miracle. And I just I walked in and I told why I said you are a child of God. It's not in your strength. God's gonna heal this. Like God has you, Bubba. You just hang on and God's gonna God's gonna do a miracle. And I remember everyone looking at me like, girl, you don't you're you you obviously aren't looking at like the reports and the numbers and do you see your baby, his belly is black and blue like something is wrong and i just remember having such a confidence in who our god was because i just watched him do so many miracles in my own life and so this was going to be another one and i just um there there were so many moments of wyatt looking like it was going to be one thing but our god gets to have the final say right he's our ultimate physician he is the one that makes miracles happen and so i I think it's beautiful because there's an opportunity for always for us to always look to the good even though the things that are going in our head there was moments where i could have got on google and looked up what's xyz and it was going to tell me your kid's going to die right or i could put my trust in god who i depend on who i know has healed who i know has restored and redeemed and so um that's exactly what I did. And so for the next 113 days, Wyatt came home. He had a Broviac and a little ileostomy, a little poop bag. It was the cutest thing in the whole world. And um, he was on 24-hour, like, TPN care. I mean, he, was, he, he got a lot of attention, and he definitely still requires that. And so um, I'm going to bring out a couple uh, pretty cool guys that I think are uh, pretty special and walking miracles in my book. Um, this is, (laughs) this is my husband, Lane, and Wyatt. Okay, he really normally likes to talk on the microphone. He gets stage fright. He'll learn. Um, and so I just want to, I wanted to show you guys just what God is capable of doing. There's not one thing that God can't do. And so if you're in a season where you're on a roller coaster ride or where you're feeling like, i am in over my head and your eyes are maybe fixed on the situation i would encourage you to fix your eyes on him because he's the one that can restore he's the one that can redeem and he's the one that can get you out of that and so um i am so excited to see what else god has in store for our family because i just know that um, there's going to be even more goodness because that's who he is he's good and he's full of love So I want to invite the prayer team to come up, and uh, we thought today if you had something in your life where you are feeling um, like you're on that roller coaster ride or something that you're wanting to give up, if you want to say, today, I'm not allowing that that enemy to have um, any chains on my life, I want to invite you guys to come up. We're going to have some prayer music and um, just allow our prayer team to pray with you and believe that God can, um, do all things and that he is a man of miracles. And so I'm going to end in prayer and thank you guys for letting me come up here. This was fun. <laughs> don't, I mean, I don't want to do it a lot, but felt, okay. Anyways. Okay. God, I just, I thank you for the miracles that you have, uh, given us in our lives. And I just, I pray that you have opened up, uh, hearts today to, really believe and truly know that you are who you say you are, God, that it's not um, its not just a story in the Bible, that God, that you are real and that your uh, Holy Spirit is with us. And I just truly believe that chains have been broken today. I believe that um, you are up to something good. And I just thank you for who you are and that you have created us for big things. And I just, we love you, God. We love you so much. And we just say this in your precious son's name. Amen.